the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. And uh, we have some great work to do this week. And uh, we will start by uh, talking in a moment about America First and what Donald Trump meant over the weekend got a ton of attention uh, and all that. But first, let me make a quick comment on the Super Bowl. Many of you know that I uh, come from Missouri. I, I I grew up for the first 18 years of my life. I lived in New Jersey Then I went off to college and overseas. And by the time I was back, I think about seven years later, four years of college plus three years overseas, I went to St. Louis and I stayed in St. Louis from uh, for about 20 uh, three more years then, uh, and Missouri, actually, I was, I was, um, in Missouri, St. Louis for the whole time, except one year I went to Kansas city, lived in Missouri and worked there. So almost, uh, almost 23 years, uh, by far so far, uh, the longest place I've ever lived. One state, um, uh, surpasses New Jersey. Although my wife will tell you I'm from New Jersey, not Missouri, but I consider myself a Missourian. And um, I was a St. Louis Rams fan. I was happy to move uh, to St. Louis. And I was so excited when I arrived in St. Louis to uh, go ahead and root for the Rams. And it was really the greatest time to be a Rams fan. The uh, the St. Louis, um, the St. Louis uh, Rams began in 19. They moved in 1994. Uh, and their first season was in 1995, actually. Um, and so I moved there in all. August of 1995, and the Rams played their first game about a month later, and uh, it was awesome. Uh, the next uh, 10 years or so was just great football, the greatest show on turf, a couple of Super Bowls, uh, one Super Bowl championship, one loss to uh, to uh, uh, Tom Brady, I think, in his first Super Bowl. It was a great time for football. And then they left. When they left, uh, I reverted to the other Missouri team, Kansas City, and my sons, uh, especially, who like football, uh, were Chiefs fans then. I had lived in Kansas City. I gone to some Chiefs games and I figured, well, I'm going to stick with the home uh, state team. So we've been rooting for the Chiefs, my point, long before uh, Travis Kelsey became a household name for dating Taylor Swift. So it's hard now to root for the Chiefs because everybody wants to hate them. They want to hate the winners, and the Chiefs have been great winners for about five years. They also want to hate the, the guy that's dating the superstar. So, But I have to tell you. I enjoyed that Super Bowl. I enjoy, I actually, I'm sorry. I'm kind of a hallmarky kind of guy. I, I believe that they actually like each other. I don't think it's some sort of weird uh, uh, setup or anything. I hope it's not. And I think it's kind of cool. 
So I know it's unpopular with a lot of MAGA folks and conservatives and others that just are sick of it. But I, I have liked I don't like Travis Kelsey being a, a sponsor for pharma uh, for the vaccine. That didn't make me happy. But uh, football players and athletes do dumb endorsements for money. And that's a better indication of the fact that it's big money uh, to do that endorsement. But it was a fun Super Bowl. And my sons, who, again, are Chiefs fans for uh, they're only my sons are teenagers. And so they've been Chiefs fans for about seven or eight years. It's most of their childhood now that they've been rooting for the Chiefs and they used to stink. Now they've been great. And uh, and now my 12 year old daughter actually watches the Chiefs because of Taylor Swift. So uh, whatever that means. Anyway, uh, that was fun. I hope you had fun. It's always fun to see. We have friends over, have some uh, famous um, uh, grandma's chili recipe and a good time. So All right. I I want to focus on this very uh, important point. Over the weekend, I got some texts from people from over in Poland, over in Hungary, uh, over in Europe. And they said, what is Trump talking about? And I went to look at what he had said. And what he had basically said was he was recounting how most of the people in NATO, which is the leaders in the EU, Germany is the best example, France, too. They all claim how important NATO is and they make us pay for the defense of NATO. And so Donald Trump, when he became president, said, you know, we're not going to stay. Maybe we should stay in NATO. Maybe we shouldn't. But ultimately, he said we should stay in NATO. But he said everybody else has to pay. And for the first time, pay their fair share. Everyone is supposed to have a percentage of their of their budget go to defense. So everybody's ready to be on the team if something happens. And that's what Trump demanded. And, and nations in Europe adjusted and started doing it. Because there's no bigger bully in Europe than Germany. They have the strongest economy and they dominate the other nations in the EU to their advantage. They do things to their advantage all the time until uh, uh, they, they blew it up or we blew it up or somebody blew it up. The Germans were, oh, yeah, Russia's bad, except they wanted Russia's pipeline, the Nord Stream 2. They wanted the cheaper natural gas, of course. So here's the thing. Trump said, pay your share. And what he said, which is, how can it be anything else than this? You all say, join us in an alliance. It costs us money and it costs us military and it ultimately would cost us men and women. And then you renege on paying. And Trump is saying, hey, guys, you got to pay up. And if people are afraid of that, if people think that that's uh, if they think that's strange, then you're not a human being. You're not you're actually you're liars because they know exactly what that is. In fact, if you let someone not pay their share, like we did Germany for decades, like we did other nations for decades, they're not going to start paying when you, you know, just because they want to, because they're nice. They're going to keep the money. They're going to keep their industries. They're going to keep from doing what they're supposed to do. And then we, America, end up doing what? Spending more on defense, spending more in our military, spending more on the military industrial complex, and also going over to police the world. Because the other nations have not developed their own defensive capabilities. This is so obvious. It's insane. And the reaction in America, classically, the mainstream media, the Democrats and the establishment Republicans jumped up and down when Donald Trump expressed something that's absolutely humanly ordinary. If you're going to make a deal, you have to do your part. And what you need to know when it comes to the power of the military industrial complex, making money off of it, and the people who want to to grow in the world to be world governance, world globalists, where it's all one big uh, community, they are not going to tolerate this. They hate Trump. Here's another example. Trump said in one of his rallies, hey, you know what? We're not going to send money to places where they can borrow money for their own at a cheaper rate than we can. 
Why would we do that? I, I, how could that be? Again, how could that be anything but common sense? What if 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 uh, the Ukraine could borrow money from someone else for three percent interest, and America has to pay five percent interest and to borrow the same amount of money and send it to Ukraine? Why would we do that? That's not the example, by the way. The example is Israel. Israel could borrow money better than anybody in the world. They have the better they have better credit than almost any other nation in the world. We can't really tell with some nations because they lie about it. But the point here is, we can't fund the world for the world's priorities and pretend that we're America first. You can't do it. If you want to be a globalist, then say, I don't care whether Germany pays their share in the military. We're just going to keep funding NATO. Just say that. And that's that's your position. But the American people are sick of this. Our own roads and bridges and everything else need to keep getting rebuilt and built. Our own economy, our own debt limit, our own debt ceiling, our own deficit, our own national debt need to be brought down. And so we shouldn't be doing hundreds and hundreds of billions to places where they're not even paying their fair share. Again, it's so obvious. So here's what you need to know. Two things very important about what you saw over the weekend. The response to Trump's common sense, pay your share And if you don't pay your share, think about whether you're going to have an energetic defender by your side. Okay, it's a lot of rhetoric there, but that's exactly what he said. And the second one is, if you can borrow the money cheaper than we have to borrow the money because we don't have any money, then you need to do that. Okay, those two things. Here's number one is those are common sense. Those are common sense at this point in American history, American life and in world history. In, in, in American history now, we have a situation where we don't have the money. We don't have the ability. We cannot print money forever. I, I, it just doesn't make sense to think we can. And so that's number one. Number two, we, we shouldn't. We shouldn't continue to be the guy. In this case, I'll say guy, but the, the entity, but the guy, the guy who comes into a deal and every time everybody reneges on it. That, that, that guy is not a strong partner. That's not a strong position to be in. So number one, common sense, America first. That's what you need to know. Number two, what you need to know is watch the reaction. Watch the reaction from people who are going absolutely bonkers over a very normal and serious and obvious thing to do. Obvious thing to say. What you need to know is if you believe in America first, you got to have some you got to have a thoughtful discussion. That's what Trump is doing, of course, in rallies. You got to have a serious discussion. You got to put it on the table. And then you say to yourself, wait a second. What you need to know is they don't even want us to have a discussion. They don't want you to think about it. They just want you to rubber stamp, send the money because the media, the Democrats, the establishment, Republicans, big tech, big media, big government, all in line saying, oh, that's a dangerous position. It's a dangerous position to expect other nations to do their part. By the way, if the other nations don't want to pay, then make that part of the deal. Say, hey, we're NATO. We know we're supposed to pay our share. We can't. They're not saying that. They sign up every time and say they can do it. And they want to expand it. Let other nations in, even though they're not living up to their part. What you need to know is the world is afraid of an America with a real leader instead of a guy like Joe Biden, who's literally rolling over, literally rolling over to all the other nations on their terms. Very bad. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. As usual, my listeners know this, uh, Chad. I'm going to tell you that the best conversations happen off the air. I don't record them. I'm not now on uh, this. Uh, my next guest who's uh, joining us, we just had a great, interesting conversation about uh, he is a Navy veteran and his experience. I was telling him a story about one of our village Slapley Eagles who's a submariner. Those are not uh, normal people. They're good people. They're all good people, but that's not a normal thing. Anyway, Chad Catton is uh, the operations director for the Veterans for America First. He also, uh, and you can go to, let me make sure I get that website in a couple times, veteransfortrump.us, veteransfortrump.us. So welcome, sir. How are you? I'm living the dream, but make sure when you say I'm a Navy CB. There's a CB. difference. Even better. Even more distinctions. There you go. Well, <laughs> as we were talking off the air, you mentioned the Marines. My brother's a Marine and he used to, right. he, he used to have a, yeah, he used to have a great relationship. We had a, we had a neighbor. I had a neighbor in St. Louis who was since deceased, George Powell, great guy. And he was a Navy, uh, just enlisted World War II was in, and was uh, drafted. And, uh, but the funniest part of that was they were transporting him somewhere and his guys, I think he might've been a CB, but anyway, he, um, he was on a plane that got shot at over Europe and they had to they had to, to, to all had to get out of the plane. And so he was for a while. He was held uh, for maybe two or three weeks um, behind. Oh, no, no. He was behind enemy lines and then they rescued him. Uh, but the funniest thing is the plane didn't crash. They all told, they told jump out because it was on fire. And then when the when the pilot went down further, they got that. So my brother, the Marine and this Navy guy used to go back and forth about, you know, seafaring bellhop. That was his favorite <laughs> thing to say to my brother. Hey, all right. Sorry. I got to stop this. Chad Catton. Uh, how important is the board? Order. When you're talking about national security, a guy like you, mm-hmm. you know, military, I, I, I've seen some of your writing on this. It's such a big deal. It, let me ask you it this way: Are, are the is the public getting it? You're 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 facing the public a lot. Veterans, sure. others, are they getting it? They're starting to. Uh, yeah. People are starting to feel what's really happening at the border. The numbers are so egregious that even even the dumbest of uh, liberal out there can't turn away. Right. Um, it's it's. And, you know, and a lot of us in the military, we understand critical fail. Unfortunately, in order for the lower hanging fruit, they need to understand and see critical fail in order to be slapped in the face with reality. And unfortunately, that's where we're at. That's why veterans don't really pull a whole lot of punches. And, you know, I'm getting a lot of uh, uh, junk for my op ed where I said yeah. basically liberals are immoral pukes. And that's where we're <laughs> at right now. You can't tell me otherwise because I can show between the trafficking and the border and the other things that are happening. You are actively trying to destroy the, in the United States that we know under American 4th of July and apple pie is, is they're trying to put to the wayside and we're going to fight every every step to make sure that doesn't happen. We're talking with Chad A. Catton. He is the National Director of Operations of Veterans for America First, Veterans for Trump. Uh, he's got this op-ed, which I'll put a link up to, that he's referring to, which goes through this about just, just what the, you'd, you'd feel the energy in his words. Um, sir, but uh, let me ask you about this part of it. How do you how do you square? I, I got somebody over the weekend, good guy, and he's kind of in the, in the old establishment Republican. He wants to, he still wants to fund all these things overseas. He still wants to send more billions to Ukraine, and uh, he's a good guy. But more and more of our veterans are like, wait a second, you know, we're always ready to fight when we need to. But don't make us do don't make us fund other stuff. That's just your priorities and then leave the border open. I mean, that's consistent. But it's a it's a it's a kind of, uh, you know, you get accused of being an isolationist when you say you're America first. And you're like, uh, you know, look, that's not what we mean. But you, 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 you feel that. Right. And then there's that going on. 
I absolutely feel that. And and you even saw President Trump come out yesterday and say, we need to stop calling it foreign aid and make it foreign loans. You'll see how many of them don't have their hand out so quickly. And, and, and in order for us to, to go under the guise of, of Ukraine and Russia is going to tr- trample Ukraine and go to Poland next, we need to really, people need to pay attention to what happened in Ukraine, how Ukraine became a situation. I'm by no means a single fit for Vladimir Putin in any way, shape or form, but I am military and I understand to respect your, 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 your combatant, if you will. You know, uh, Sung Su says, if you know yourself, you know your enemy, you can fight a hundred battles without fear. I do that. And that's why I look at, at, at Putin, who has always been a nationalist, who's always been about bringing back the USSR, which we don't want, but he wants to bring old mother Russia back. The Donbass region was being fired upon by its own government for a very long time. You can Google it today. Donbass 2014. They were getting, they were getting shelled because they consider themselves Russian. Just as we have people in this country that still consider themselves, uh, Syrian and they, and they walk around burning the American flag in the United States. The, the, the people of the Donbass region feel they're Russian. They were being bombed. And finally, Russia hasn't moved really out of the Donbass region and they took Crimea just to show that Obama was weak. So really, if Russia wanted to go across Ukraine, our money's not stopping them. They just are stopping where they're at based on the idea of what happened in the Donbass. But at the same time, when are we going to have these countries that should have, you know, took took care of themselves and built up their own military and their own infrastructure to be able to protect themselves? We cannot continue to whore out America and our children's future just for the uh, because we think it's the right thing to do or the military industrial complex is playing puppeteer with our congressmen and senators. We're, tra- we're talking again with Chad Catton. He's the National Director of Operations of Veterans for America First and Veterans for Trump. Again, you can hear it in his voice. Um, I want to shift back to your op-ed. I, I got you off. I did that because I-, I I felt like over the weekend that, you know, the last few days, President Trump's getting criticized. And you said it well. Look, I-, I got friends in Poland who get very nervous. They hate the Soviets. They remember it. It's not for them. It's not a far. It's not a long off thing. They, they were occupied. So they- I get mm-hmm. it. But but I- as you said, um, you know, we'll-, we'll stick with our friends and Poland, uh, as my friend in Poland said, we always paid our share. You want to put us in NATO, we'll pay. Germany wants to have a ma- massive economy, do all kinds of things and not pay their share. And then they want us to say, oh, yeah, we'll send more money over. I think the people are sick of it. But back to the border for a second, because your op-ed is on that. I, I want to ask this question. I'm going to get I'll, I'll go hard towards it because I don't want to waste our time. Mm-hmm. There's lots of veterans who came back from these wars and it's a struggle. There's lo- And they're men. Young men, young men, middle-aged men, some older men, but you know, probably let's go 25 to 50. And they mm-hmm. and they're watching fentanyl, for example, is killing men. It's killing men. It's not killing women. It's I, I, you know, it's just this is what it is. And there's all these kinds of things that you say to yourself, man, you told me you wanted me to be a warrior. And you, you're not treating us like that. And the, and the border feels like that, too. Like, we know that your jobs are, are the, the market for your jobs is depressed, at least. We know that you're looking at this going, this isn't right. I, you know, I don't want to make it about, um, I don't want to make it about these segments the way the left does. But I do want to say that I see that. Do you? We do. And the, this bothers veterans more than anything. We have a large swath of our of our community that is sat out and, and have been involved in in Afghanistan and in Iraq and the Middle East. And we had been at war for a very long time. We have a large swath of, of war torn veterans and they used to sit in what we call FOBs, forward operating bases. They have huge walls with Constantine wire and they protected their position, the FOB. 
Right. How and we're sitting there and using very simplistic discernment, going, hmm, we have a we have all these people coming across. We're being invaded. We have a front door. We're they're not using. They're just jumping the fence. And on a fob where they would be out there in in the Middle East or wherever their forward operating base was, if somebody tried coming over that wall, they would get a double tap to the forehead. But for some reason, our country is not that way. So how can we stay sovereign? How can we say a safe a forward operating base or a country if we're not protected of the very borders that we're supposed to be that make us, in fact, sovereign. This is not hard to understand. This isn't a humanitarian thing. This isn't a, a racial thing. This is a in- invasion thing. And that's where we need to start being uh, I mean, uh, we keep talking about January 6th insurrection. It wasn't an insurrection. It wasn't any weapons. It wasn't any, I mean, come on. It's amazing how we get to play with those words. And But this is an absolute Absolute invasion. There's no other way around it. And the veterans out there are sickened by it because we're losing. We protected the sovereignty of so many other nations on this planet, but we're not even able to protect our own. It is uh, it is striking to watch. And I think more and more people just they feel it. They feel it. It's it's like one of these things like it's just a lack of respect. You know, sometimes you don't have to run a, a 30 second ad and uh, and, you know, lay it out for them. They just can feel it and they feel the dynamic. And and that's how I uh, that's how I sense it. Hey, uh, Chad Catton, thank you. I'll put a link up to your piece uh, on uh, on the, of your op ed and also make sure that we get folks paying attention uh, to this website. It's uh, important for v- people, veterans for Trump us. If you're a veteran or not, you just care about veterans. Go there and check out the work. Thank you for the time, Chad. Thank you very much. Please go to veteransfortrump.us and sign up. We were building one of the largest veteran coalitions across the United States, not just for Trump, but for America First Movement altogether. Great. Hey, perfect. Thanks very much. Uh, We will do We'll make sure to put that link up. Uh, Thank you. God bless you. And thanks for your service. Uh, We'll take a break, everybody. When you come out and I'll talk more. I talked a little more in the early in the program on this uh, on this challenge to what President Trump said, as opposed to uh, distorting what he said, as opposed to listening to what he said. And we'll talk more about that when it comes to the impact uh, overseas. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, if you watch closely, if you watch closely the coverage of uh, President Trump in the recent uh, D.C. Court of Appeals, there was an argument. John Sowers sort of sort of somewhat uh, noteworthy. People heard his voice more than they saw a picture of him. But then there was an image of Donald Trump and two of his lawyers. John Sauer was one of them. The other one is Will Scharf. And Will is uh, Missouri, been in Missouri, uh, active and, and working as an activist and a lawyer for a long time. Uh, also running for attorney general as a Republican in the Republican primary, which is in August of 2024. Yeah, uh, In the Trump era, I knew he was helping a lot of the good folks, uh, Kavanaugh for sure, and I think Coney Barrett, uh, get confirmed. Confirmed, as well as all those many judges, Mike Davis and others. So, and I've known uh, Will for a while uh, myself, and he is a Princeton grad, as well as Harvard Law School, and clerked a couple times. And so he's not uh, he's not a slouch in terms of his training. So, welcome, Will. How are you? Doing great, Ed. Thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for having me on. 
Well, I know you were a prosecutor for uh, a number of different areas, violent crimes. Uh, I think it's something I think I saw over 100 felony cases that you're involved in. So, you know, this business. How do you assess, Will? What how do you define prosecutorial discretion in the sense that when the prosecutor in the Biden case, the recent one the, the documents case says, look, I could charge this guy and I could go to a jury and they'd never convict him because it's a mess. I'm not saying I'm saying I got evidence that he did it, but I, I'm not going to go do that. That's my judgment. You, you know, you do you do want your prosecutors. They're not they're not AI. They're not robots. You got to have judgment. And then you go the other way and you say between Alvin Bragg and Letitia James and Fannie Willis, it's amateur hour. That's state court level. I hate to be mean to them, but the amateur hour just admitting publicly we're just going to target somebody. Well, that's sort of prosecutorial prosecutorial discretion. And then you get Jack Smith, who's much more circumspect. I mean, it's becoming really bad for the law. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Ed. You know, when you look at what's going on, we've seen this emergence of this two-tier system of justice where one set of rules applies to Democrats and a totally different set of rules applies to Donald Trump. I think this documents case against Joe Biden is a is a clear example of that. Every single thing that President Trump has been accused of doing in the Florida documents case against him, brought by Jack Smith and his team, Joe Biden has now been accused of doing by a special counsel appointed by his own Department of Justice. Right. When you look at this Biden case, I think that the the Democrats are in a real catch-22 because either Joe Biden is totally mentally fit, totally capable of being president of the United States of America, of running for president of the United States of America, in which case he would equally be mentally fit uh, to be tried for these these crimes that he committed, or he's not, in which case, why the heck is this guy sitting next to the nuclear button in the White House? Yeah. And and how do we expect him to discharge those duties, you know, going forward? Yeah, it's uh, it is. It's, it's, it's amazing to watch this uh, sort of, as you say, but and and again, if you're an observer, a keen observer of the law and across the sort of the country, and you know, you, as you, you described, you know, you're St. Louis County resident, but you know, you you went to Princeton, Harvard, you went to all the places in, in D.C. You saw if you're an observer, you you expect a certain. It's actually the word honor and integrity among the law, and you watch this and you say. What is what's happening here? And I, I and, and uh, but let me slide to one of the things that I, I brought you on because we we're talking about the immigration question. Same kind of thing. Joe Biden is basically saying, I can't do anything unless you pass a law. Well, we all know that's a lie. I mean, it, it, there's nothing. It's very clear. He had lots of things that he reversed from Trump. And at this point, there's millions and millions of illegals coming to the country. What, what are the, what's the reason to be here is the key. And I think that's one of the things you were talking about. At a certain point, it's not just, uh, oh, I like the idea. It's, it's a strategy. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's it's election rigging. Ultimately, when you look at this movement in left wing cities to allow illegal immigrants onto the voter rolls, to allow illegal immigrants to register to vote for now, that's just sort of for municipal and local elections. But you have to think that it's part of a bigger plan. The Democrats figure that if they can bring in millions and millions and millions of illegal immigrants, give them the right to vote, that's going to insulate the Democrats from the political winds that are now blowing against them. And as you said, I mean, the border under President Trump. Trump was just infinitely more controlled than it's been other, uh, under Biden. We've had more illegal entries since Joe Biden took office than there are people in the state of Missouri. It's just an absolutely crazy dynamic. Biden has all the power that he would need to restrict uh, restrict these entries the same way that President Trump did. So you have to start thinking about motive. And to me, this is about elections. This is about the Democrats attempting to insulate themselves and perpetuate their rule. And that's just wrong. And we've got to fight against it. We're talking with 
Will Sharp, a former federal prosecutor, uh, been active in conservative politics in Missouri and across the country, especially helping with uh, judges. I do want to ask you, though, Will, I mean, you again, observer, you and I can be observers as lawyers, but you are a participant in the sense you're a prosecutor. You watch uh, the Soros funded DAs in places and you say to yourself, they're destroying their little area, right? That uh, St. Louis City is a good example. And now they're changing that. I think that there's an admirable that Gabe Gore is in there doing that. But in many other cities, it's just destroyed until you can get rid of these people. What is your, you know, part of part of conservatives is like, if that's what you want to vote for, that's what you get. On the other hand, we're watching the deterioration of our country. And, I, you know, you kind of wonder at how to balance the state versus federal. I, I want more election integrity and more enforcement of the laws. I sometimes worry that federal solutions is a problem. I know you're pursuing a state, you know, attorney general spot. So you, you, you're living in that sort of in between. Hey, we want the federal government to do their thing, but we've got to do our thing first. Yeah, I think conservatives on the crime issue can't be fooled by this idea of local control above all. We cannot cede control of our cities, our city streets to these radical leftist prosecutors. You know, I've used, I probably shouldn't say this on the air, but it, it's almost <laughs> like saying that there's, you know, a no peeing section of a swimming pool. Uh, crime doesn't obey municipal boundaries. If right. we allow crime to fester in our cities, it's going to affect all of us. We're seeing that around the country now. We need conservatives who are willing to step into the breach who are willing to push much stricter crime laws, whether it's truth in sentencing or conservative bail reform laws. We've got to get this done because otherwise our country's going down a very dangerous path. We saw this in the 1980s. If you allow crime to fester, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And that's the path we're on right now. Well, and one of the things I'm a little uh, chagrined by, and I, we've, we've had uh, Jeff Clark on talking about this uh, this the dynamic, uh, and, and it was before all of his uh, issues in Georgia. So we've stopped having him on on this subject. But the attorney general in a state like Georgia could intervene when the Fulton County prosecutor goes crazy. And, you know, that is the tension we want. Right. I don't want the I don't want DOJ to come in and intervene. But the the state laws are the state laws and attorneys general have that role. Now, most places in some states, they may have a different constitution. But I I do agree with you. Like if you can't do it, then you got to have somebody do it. Well, in in that Georgia case, it's worth noting that the Georgia Board of Probation and Parole could have headed this thing off months ago. The fact that Republican office holders or conservative office holders aren't willing to step in to prevent this incredible miscarriage of justice against President Trump and his co-defendants, I think is shameful. I I put in the same category as that Republican statewide office holders, Republican politicians in deep red states who aren't willing to do what's required to get this crime problem in their cities under control. You know, my friend Mike Davis always says, have power, use power. The reason we put these people in office is to advance a conservative policy agenda, to advance our values and our principles. And when you step back and just allow chaos to occur uh, with no meaningful check, I think that's a that's a huge black mark. I think that's shameful. Again, I'm talking with Will Scharf, uh, a former federal prosecutor himself uh, and uh, in violent crimes and violent crimes units uh, and in uh, cities. Will, what, what about uh, for one second? What about the, the back to the law for a second? You watch conservative uh, uh, lawyers challenged and, I, and, and I'm, you know, I'm among them myself. But, you know, some of them are Eastman's got his bar license in, in limbo and you're running towards this. I mean, I know Mike Davis well enough that he's just a he's just a crazy Irish American. I mean, he but, you know, there's there's not it's not insignificant. You're Harvard Law, you're Princeton undergrad. I mean, you're you're credentialed. You can do a lot of things. And you're in this. Uh, are you do you worry about that part of the system and, and the cost to you and your family? 
Well, one, I think the thing I learned at Harvard and Princeton more than anything is the need to confront the radical left. Right, I mean, the, right. the, the, the faculty members that I tangled with when I was 18 years old, I mean, it's their ideology that we're now confronting all across the country. I mean, they're taking over. And to me, that's just deeply, deeply scary. In terms of the personal cost, you know, when we, when we decided to take on President Trump as a client, when we decided to step into the breach and defend him in, you know, in any number of courts, we knew that the left would come for us. I mean, I get threats on Twitter and stuff every day. And I'm sure that at some point, you know, these left wing nonprofit groups, these dark money groups, they can come after my bar license. You know, maybe some left wing prosecutor will try to prosecute me. The, the short answer is I don't care because the fights that we're in are too important. I believe in America. I believe in the rule of law and I believe in what we're doing. And if we're not willing to stand up now, I don't think we're going to have a country left in a few years. So that's sort of where I'm at on that. I think it's shameful what's happened to guys like John Eastman, uh, who really just did his job as a lawyer. Right. Uh, but that's that's the world we're living in now. Yeah. Ed. It sure is. All right, Will Sharp, thank you. I'm out of time. Unfortunately, we went right to the edge. I got to run. Will Sharp, I'll put a link up to his website and uh, his piece uh, out there. Uh, thank you. And uh, I appreciate it. You and John Sauer both out there. You know, um, that's, uh, as I said, I'm surprised there's not been more of a target, but I uh, appreciate it. Will Sharp, again, candidate for Attorney General of Missouri, as well as a lawyer working on President Trump's cases. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the program. America Report back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. After the stabbing of five Irish people, three of whom were children, in Dublin by an Algerian national, the Irish people woke up to the terror that mass migration had brought upon them. Some have even called the mass immigration imposed on Ireland by globalists a new plantation. Ireland's membership in the European Union means globalist politicians running Ireland have agreed to allow entry by any citizen of any other European nation. Some quip that any nationality other than British is accepted in Ireland today. But the regular people are revolting against globalism now. Geert Wilders of the Netherlands won a stunning victory by campaigning against globalism and vowing to hold a public referendum there to exit the EU, which he calls Nexit as Great Britain did with its Brexit. Wilder's political party won far more seats than expected, surging above poll predictions and has left the powers that be in Europe in shock. This is similar to election returns in Spain, Italy, Greece, Turkey and Finland, as globalists have been repeatedly routed by Trump-like candidates vowing to put their own country first. Add Argentina to that growing list as the campaign theme of Make Argentina Great Again propelled Javier Malay to a landslide victory with Donald Trump declaring, I'm very proud of you. Though smeared as far right by CNN, Malay won with 56% of the vote as a pro-life libertarian who recognizes global warming as a lie of socialism. People are wisening up to the horrific consequences of globalism across the globe. It's all the more common these days for globalism to be synonymous with disastrous economic policies, higher taxes to help some other country, or skyrocketing crime rates due to an unrelenting flow of migrants. Leaders are becoming less concerned with the outcries of smear campaigns by America's now discredited mainstream media institutions. 
Instead, in Argentina, Hungary, the U.S., and Ireland, leaders are increasingly recognizing that their responsibility is primarily to their national kinsmen, not to a vague and oppressive sense of belonging to some global community. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Hyde again, filling in guest hosting here for Mr. Ed Martin today, and glad to be back with you to wrap up the show. What a good one. And uh, I just wanted to come back in, and i got a couple of thoughts to offer. We, we always talk on this program uh, about being informed, about going and finding out for yourself, following the facts. What is it? Ed's, Ed's phrase, distrust and verify. That's a good motto in today's world with a, a world full of fake news. We will, really are responsible more than ever for finding our own information and facts, for doing the legwork, for being citizen journalists, since the journalists aren't doing their job anymore. Now, make no mistake, there are still good resources. There are great places out there. We talk about them all the time. In fact, we have a lot of their folks on. People who write at American Greatness, folks who are over at the Epic Times, Just the News, Newsmax. There are good places who are writing good stories who are speaking the truth, who are finding real facts uh, that aren't just the mainstream media that are all driven by the same slavering narrative, pro-establishment, uh, pro-machine to support this uh, regime that is currently in place, the Biden administration, the leftist move that we're seeing. There are good places. However, I would like to encourage you once again to consider a lot of the resources that we put together because uh, there are a lot of places that move fast and furious. It kind of gets lost every single day under the news cycle. There's just no way to help that. Uh, the news moves so fast that some of these places have to keep up with what's being talked about. And then there are a lot of fantastic organizations, but they advocate for just one thing or they really have their one big issue and they talk about a few others. And, and I have no fault for any of these things. It's just pick and choose each to its own. But there is a really neat legacy uh, here at Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And this is kind of what I wanted to bring up. There's a really cool legacy of not only going into several different topics, Phyllis has a huge legacy across uh, the pro-family movement, uh, the fight for life against abortion in America, uh, the fight for traditional marriage, uh, both legally and culturally, the fight for religious liberty, the, all of these different things. There's also this huge history of fighting for uh, constitutionalism, for a sound judiciary, for uh, responsible fiscal policies, for sovereignty first border and immigration policies. Across all of the spectrum, there's just this wonderful wealth of fundamental conservative principles being applied across the field of issues that face us today. And even though Phyllis isn't with us anymore, she passed away in 2016, we still carry on that mission. And even though we don't claim to be right and to know exactly what to do on every single issue, all the jots and tittles, we want to have the conversations. And we have those conversations out loud. For everyone to hear and to participate in. And there is an incredible wealth of knowledge. This this, this uh, program, the Pro-America Report, is kind of a part of that. It's under the umbrella. Obviously, we're on the Salem Radio Network here, uh, streaming out of San Diego. And it gets, uh, um, you know, Dopplered into a uh, Dopplered. I don't know if that's the correct word. It gets ported into several other places as well. You might be listening to this on the radio in, in St. Louis or down south. Or uh, you might just be listening online to the podcast. But nonetheless... 
this is one of those connected things, but there are several others. Uh, I am proud to be able to host a great live stream program on Thursdays, and I don't say that because of me. I, it's just a great it's a great program. We talk about a lot of interesting stuff, and we actually talk. Um, Mason, uh, the uh, co-producer of this program, he and I sit down every Thursday at noon on our live stream program called Unauthorized Caucus, and we talk about these things. We, we pick a topic or two, and we actually have out the conversation. People hop into the chat, and we talk about it. John and Andy Schlafly write a fantastic column. And it laser focuses into an issue, brings in tons of historical um, concepts and perspective and context. That's not concepts, context. That's the word I was looking for. It pulls a lot of great stuff together each and every week. Every Tuesday night it comes out. You can go to phyllislafley.com and then it echoes across all kinds of places. World Net Daily. My goodness, I can't speak today. World Net Daily carries it. Townhall.com carries it. Uh, So many other fantastic places echo that column out into the world and it it just keeps going there are great things that come uh, from here the education reporter that's another one that's just absolutely incredible our our, uh education reporter editor sue kunstman just does an incredible amount of research and there are wonderful articles that really hone in on the education issue book review all kinds of great stuff available every single month over at edreporter.org edreporteronline.org there is great stuff and yeah I can't even tell you how important it is to go and be educated, to go and just fill yourself and your own knowledge with context, with little things here and there that you can recall. You don't have to know everything all at once, but you need to know a little bit of the connectors to be able to critically think about things and plug it in and put things in their place and decide where we should or shouldn't as Americans land on these issues. Let me encourage you. Go over to phyllislafley.com, uh, proamericareport.com, where Ed does his writings. You'll find all the stuff again for this program, but also there is where you're going to find the Education Reporter. You're going to find John and Andy Schlafly's weekly column. You're going to find the Phyllis Schlafly Report monthly newsletter. You're going to find the Education Reporter, uh, which has been out since 1986. There are so many incredible resources, and this is just the one organization that has a well-rounded view. Again, there's several others, and you'll hear us reference them and talk about them. I, I can't even stress to you as much as Ed talks about and is absolutely correct. We must distrust and verify. Where do you go to verify? This this is it. I'm making that pitch. I would love, and, and I'm appealing to you to do that. There are great uh, programs as well here on the Salem Radio Network that you're going to hear from uh, also that are going to talk about all these issues in long form, and we're going to flesh it out. And how does that connect? It is more important than ever before to not only be informed and to be consuming these kinds of, of sources and resources, but it is important to be having those conversations with family and friends because we got a lot of people who I think at base agree with us on a lot of the issues, a lot of these things that really are common sense, not the fake common sense things, that that political phrase that the Democrats like to use, real, honest-to-goodness, logical, common sense things that are better for America and better for her people. That's what we need to be listening to, consuming, processing, and then talking about to other people who we know agree with us, but they are battered every day by the fake news narrative machine that we must beat back. So distrust and verify, but there are some places to go and verify. Thank you for being with us today on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for being the wonderful listeners that you are, the great family we have here to talk to every single day. Uh, Thank you to Ed for being such a wonderful host and Mason, my co-producer, for helping me keep everything running in the background. We appreciate you. We appreciate you being here. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com and Phyllis Schlaff Grab today's show, share it with a friend, and we will look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow on the next edition of the Pro-America Report.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.